This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode 57, number 57. Neither Steve nor Colin is here, so I get to say whatever I want. Um, it is the morning after the WBC after party, and I had grand designs on... Um, so we were running around the show with a microphone and talking to people and sort of seeing what's happening, and so did Steve and Colin, and naturally you, you overbook yourself with these things and that doesn't happen, so instead we're going to do, not hungover, we're not hungover, but like um, morning... Speak for yourself. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're going to do morning after recap. I'm joined by Dale Harris. We're sitting in the kitchen of our house in Dublin, and we're going to talk about what happened this week. Good morning, Dale. Morning. <laughs> You're not hungover. I'm not. No, I, I was very well behaved. We I, went to bed early. I think we were pretty sensible last night. Yeah. Like trying to look after everyone. And by sensible, you mean tired? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're old. I'm old. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're off to a rip roaring start. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it was super busy this week, and I always, I always come into these weeks trying not to overextend myself, and then you end up doing it anyway. And this time it was. I was like, well, I'm not stage managing WBC this year, so it should be easier, right? I don't, I don't have those like 16 hour days, and then I ended up picking up so many lots of like little things here and there. It ended up being 16 hour days again, and I was like, oh, well, that failed. What about you? I think it did better. I was very lazy. You're not very good at saying no. No. It's like terrible saying no. Say no to drugs. Say no to work. Mm. And then you don't make the money. Sure. It, it all piles up very quickly here. And there's lots of things I could have done, and yeah. there's lots of things I tried to do, okay. but I spent a lot of time hanging around the brew bar, annoying, wonderful baristas, drinking different coffees. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of stop and chats. And anyone who knows Kirby your enthusiasm will know that that means like saying, saying hello and not saying anything of worth to yeah. anyone. Yeah. Like, hello, smiley. And lots, lots of people that I like, and lots of people that I would like to have deeper conversations with, but yeah. we, we were busy, they were busy, whatever. My favorite version of the stop and chat is where both of you are super busy and you're running off in different directions, but you see each other and you accidentally make eye contact. So you feel like you have to stop and chat and say hi, even though both of you are sitting there going, we don't oh, want this. Oh, 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 I gotta run. <laughs> it happened so many times this weekend where you're like, everyone's super smiling, happy to see you, but you also know everyone is crazy busy. I wonder if everyone listening knows what we've been doing this week. Like, it, is this a bubble that we're in that we know, like, WBC happens and World of Coffee happens and everyone goes there? Or just the people we know go there? Will there, will there be listeners in Vietnam who are like, oh, uh, wow? I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I think it's worth talking about that. I think, though, this has been born out of competition, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Temper Tantrum's podcast, like, we, we used to always do sort of, like, recaps while we were there. We're like, what's going on? <laughs> And stay it in, right? Would you try to stop aspirating your coffee? It's not going to get to you any faster. How am I going to get the flavors otherwise? Oh. <laughs> it is. It is Sunday morning, folks. We are a bit tired. Um, it just drink slowly, would you? You're not going to get any more aroma. I mean, I know there's no burning toast anywhere. Nothing so. doesn't work for this, does it? No, it doesn't. You have to say. Should we talk about that? I mean, I suppose we can't, I don't know, are we going to be No, we should, we should, we should. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think for the most part, there's there's a general. I think, I think a lot of the specialty coffee industry knows what what happens, but I think there, as many people do get to come, there there are quite a few who don't. So it's worth having a bit of a recap in terms of what was going on during the week, what things looked like, and what was new and shiny and exciting and stuff like that. So where do you want to start? Like where what what what, what did you come to Dublin to do, and you said there were lots of things you should have done or could have done. I did all the important things. I raised invoices sometimes. Um, I've got a stack of has-been cards in my bag that proves otherwise. There were 200 of them. Okay. Right. And I, I think I got at least 12 of them out there. Yeah. And I got them to the right people. Tell, tell okay. you that. Okay. I was here, so I uh, has been starting a couple of new initiatives, so we wanted to get some stuff out about that very quietly and carefully. Um, when there were lots of people in one place. And by so. that, he means going around and handing people cards um, when he remembered to do so. No one quietly. remembered to do so. I also did it with coffee, which was, oh, yeah, there which you go. was good. Yeah. I handed out a lot of coffee. Yeah. It's nice to give the coffee to the good people, and the best thing is we sometimes get it back. So I now have a delicious haul of yes. weird coffees to share with the guys when I get back to the roastery. Um, there were some... Some contacts that we have that we only really see at a big show like this. Um, so we, I touched base with those. That was kind of the work stuff that I had to do. But then I was also here uh, a little bit with Breast uh, Girl of Europe. So I had uh, some time on their stand talking about their new things for the year. And I also had the honor of attending the SCAE. Uh, board transitioning handover breakfast where uh, I was elected to be uh, a board member for the next two years by the wonderful people. Um, what have you signed yourself up for? I get to be part of part of the next cycle of change as SCAE progresses into the future. That's a lovely sentiment. In other words, you're bad at saying no when people ask you to do the work just like <laughs> I am. <laughs> no. It will it will be super super interesting. Uh, I spent just under a year on the board um, from I don't know twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen twenty fifteen. I spent some time on the board uh, as when I was chair of Barista Guild of Europe, and when my term as chair finished and a new chair came in place, which is Tibor. Um, I fell off the board because he had to take my seat and I was like, uh, this was quite interesting. I was meeting good people and we were doing good things and there's so much uh, exciting change happening there with the potential of alignment depending on uh, what the members of SCAA think. Um, but also exciting projects like the Sustainability Forum and uh, Johan, uh, once of, or still of Johan and Nystrom. Uh, is driving forward there and the research that Shahan is leading and um, there's lots of exciting things to come so it's nice to nice to see it from that level and, and help help push some of those things through really you just felt left out you you were like a part of like I like the VIP passes yeah I was gonna say yeah disappointed by the lack of freebies like they could look after the VIPs better I want gold merchandise oh dear but we'll wait and see so you were wearing many hats while you were here yeah. in other words yeah Okay. A few of them fitted. <laughs> Your head is rather big. <laughs> uh, let's let's stop rambling. Let's talk about the, the details. What did you enjoy the most? What was your favourite thing that you did this week? Um, honestly, so I guess I miss 
as, as much as I, I complain about stage managing, like I think there was a part of me that missed being being down there in a part of the WBC. I got to stage manage two other competitions, essentially, kind of. like So um, on the Thursday night, I was down at Aeropress and um, getting the competitors from downstairs at Wigwam upstairs to compete. And uh, on the Friday, I was, was working with Coffee Throwing, neither of which are quite as intensive in terms of stage managing as, as WBC usually is. But um, it was nice because I think my, my favorite part of these events is getting to meet people from all over the world and making that sort of connection with them. And there is sort of a special vibe that happens when you're a group of competitors or people who are involved in making nothing happen. And like I so I, I kind of got I got shuttled out to, to Aeropress to help. It was sort of a well, we're going to be the, the alternative competitions of Dublin. So we'll work with each other and sort of, you know, get, get the show on the road sort of thing. And I, I must say I didn't have high expectations i'm really sorry tim and tim um like i've never i've never made it to an aeropress championship before because i was always so busy doing like my yeah, real yeah, job and, and stuff like that so like i was always so knackered by the time that stuff would run around julie would be like oh let's go to aeropress and i'd be like bed I'm going to bed um that i've never really had the chance to, to see one of those or participate in one of those and um yeah it was really fun actually like as much as like I said, as much as I, I whinge about doing that stuff, like, I mean, just running up and down the stairs about 10 million times that evening, like, it, it was so nice, and people were so friendly, and, and like, the, the downstairs was so relaxed uh, with the competitors, and I had a great time with that, and, like, they were making fun of me, I was making fun of them, it was brilliant, you know? I mostly lost my voice because I was shouting at everybody to get ready, because there's no schedule, right? So you're just like, competitors from Canada! So Canada. for the fun alternative competition... Yeah. I like I got there just to see the the actual event and it looked very very professional. Oh yeah, I mean they they have big big name sponsors, yeah. high quality equipment, and nice prizes, great design work, and um, great design work. Liz Chai, um, like it was so nice to finally meet her. I read a lot about her and she's lovely. Like she she also was wearing many hats this week. Um, she was there covering some stuff for Sprudge too and and sort of like helping to run Aeropress and she'd done all that beautiful design work, very psychedelic and she yeah. matched her dress to it and everything and I was just like, you go girl. Um, no, it was it, it, it was very slick, like the, the stage was very slick. I think, I think they're very good at that. They've certainly turned it into something much bigger. I mean, you look at the way we run coffee throwing and it is crazy bootstrappy, right? Like we had some lovely help from Maxilla Packaging and that, that made for trophies and beer and, and some fun bunting and but like compared to Aeropress, you know, we're still very strappy and... Okay, so then let's go from that and say okay. compared to the coffee throwing, Aeropress was very, very slick and tidy. Yeah. Let's talk about WBC because that yeah. is the the premier, premier coffee event of the season. I don't know. Premier competi coffee competition. There maybe. we go. It's yeah. it's the one like and it's the crown it's the the jewel in the crown of world coffee events coffee competitions I guess sure is like so like proof of that is Brewers Cup I think has got more and more attention as years go on and other national competitions like certainly in the UK yeah. and um as I travel like I get introduced to Brewers Cup champions from wherever yeah, yeah, yeah. like he said he's the Brewers Cup champion of Singapore. Yeah, and that's definitely become a thing in national communities and stuff. And I'm sure the competition was like more competitive than ever before, yeah. and more interesting things going on than ever before. But if I'm 100 percent honest, I didn't notice it because I was overwhelmed, and my Twitter feed and my I don't really look at Twitter anymore. We shouldn't talk uh -huh. about the general trends, but 
Well, I don't even want to start on the algorithm changes that have across <laughs> major social media platforms, but yeah. But World Barista Championship is front and foremost. Um, it is slick, it is smart, there are lots of changes this year, and you can see some of those changes in the routine, but you could also see lots of those changes in the way it was presented, yeah. like a professional sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it had its own arena. So it's had like the gladiatorial yeah. death zone. I think it was interesting this year how you, you came in underneath the seating and mm-hmm. you walked up into it and it felt very sportsy. Um, which is, I think, I think what it is really. Like my favorite quote, and I can never, ever, ever remember it because it was so well put, and I saw it so long ago, and I very rarely watch Mike Phillips' 2010 WBC routine, but is about that, you know, what a barista championship is, what what WBC is, and it's like what part horse show, part dog show, part personal crisis, part like, and and it, it really sums it up quite well. Like, and I think more than ever we're seeing the the sportsy aspect take over some of the other stuff, um, which is interesting. But I guess you know it's you need you need to get people engaged in it, and it's really hard to engage people when the only people who are tasting like it, it's a beverage competition, right? Like at the at the core, what you're getting scored on the most quite heavily are the drinks you're serving. And when four people, five, if you include the head judge, are the only people who can taste that, I think it's really hard to make that engaging. So, like, we've seen a lot of changes. Like, um, I, I'm involved with the, the WBC or the, the WCE competitions, Evolution Group, Comp Dev. There's so many different names for it, but um, Evo. Uh, but uh, just just trying to make that. I, I think I'm letting you just, just say the things that you want to say. So I'm going to stop that right now. And I'm going to start asking the questions. So you're on the evil committee. The evil. <laughs> the evil committee. Who else on the evil secret no, committee? No, evil. Evil committee. Evolution. Uh, who else is on the evil committee? So we have Stephen Morrissey as the chair. Evil. Yeah. He's not evil. Mastermind. Actually, he is a mastermind. Is the mastermind making the changes happen? Who else? Like call them out on that. Um, Carl Sara. Carl Sara. Uh, Marcus Bonney. Uh, Dan Streetman. Scott Connery. Yoshikato. Uh, Maxwell Kalana Dashwood, uh, Luca Ventrilia, who else is on those calls? Um, and then we have a bunch of the, the WCE ladies, so Amy Ball, um, sometimes we get Alex Burnson on there. Oh, actually, yeah. that's an interesting change. There are proportionally less ladies running World Coffee events. There must be, maybe maybe there are. There are a few, there There's the same amount of ladies, the same ladies are there, but um, there are more boys coming There are in. more boys. Yeah, we're there. taking over. There are at least... Getting in there. At least five boys on staff now that I can think of so yeah I mean but they're also they're growing they're bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and better and better um who else is on the committee evil committee you keep you keep distracting me from actually trying to have the real chat uh that's all I can think of for right now sorry whoever you forgot I'm really sorry guys I do value your opinion but that is an awesome network of people who have been involved and kind of guiding, changing things for a long time. Like I, I remember there was a conference here in Dublin yeah. what, two, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. and most of those people were there and were involved in the conversation. Hugo, 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 Hugo wasn't in Dublin, and that was an absolute. We miss shame. you, Hugo. Hugo, we love you so much. Honestly, I would have definitely been more hungover had Hugo come yeah, because I would exactly. have made the effort to play. Yeah. Miss Hugo. Um, yeah, I mean, the, these people have been sort of behind the scenes for a long time or been involved 
for a very long time um, at different levels of the competition as well, like different, there's different roles you can play um, when you're involved in competition. You can be a coach, you can be a competitor, you can be a judge, you can be an organizer, and everybody who's involved has played at least two or three of those roles over the course of their time in specialty coffee and working in and around WBC. So I think, yeah, it's a really interesting group and, and a lot of judge input, a lot of competitor input. Like it's, it's a nice, like honestly, every, every time, every time this call was around and we talk very frequently, this group, um, I'm always like, Oh God, not again. Cause it's like, it's another thing I have to add to my diary. And then I get off those calls and I'm like, that was really productive. That was really good. That was, these people are really clever and they want to do good things and they really care. And so let's stop talking about intentions okay. and the calls that happen behind the scenes because you've spoken about that on here before. And have I? Well, I think so, but but if not, like that's you think that's behind the scenes. Let's talk fair. about the things that people see and the results because this year was full of full of changes that have come out of that. It was, yeah. Like because uh, I don't know when that committee started, but it was like a year, eighteen months ago. It was a year, ago, yeah, yeah. Like, it was about and year. this year, I mean, there were lots of changes that were launched a while ago. So there was like the grinder. Um, grinder yeah. sponsor choice changes and the milk beverage rules came in. Was that at last WBC or six months later? I know uh, it was. It was after. The, well, I think it was announced at the last WBC, yeah. um, and that's when national bodies started to to roll it out. Um, so yeah, using using the sponsor grinder as a way of leveling the playing field, um, or using the exact same make and model. That way, everyone has to use the same tools, which is um the choice of two tools. So let's yeah okay fine fair but like still like you're you're limited to using what's there and i think any good barista worth their salt is going to be able to use whatever tools are given to them you know like you, you should be able to it can't use an ek43 well i can help you <laughs> um i need help and then uh yeah milk beverage the move from cappuccino and opening up milk beverage and i have to say like i'm i really can't wait to see i have to go back and watch the stream because I spent so much time running around at the show. I didn't see what people were making. I think the drinks were a little bit smaller. I think I think there was a, a wide variety of them, but I think on the whole, people were using a smaller milk to coffee ratio. So I kind of want to go back and watch that. I feel like I missed that a little bit. Um, so I, I didn't see, like there were 60 competitors and the only way to, like you have 62. to see them all. 62. 62. 62. It's the biggest WBC ever. And like, that's a lot of people to watch. And especially when you're doing 15 minutes and the routines are admittedly like, you know, you've got to score your points. Yeah. You know, you got to, got to say the things. And, and they were pretty back to back and it was going on before yeah. World of Coffee opened. Yeah. Uh, it was going on while Rico was on. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a full on. But hold on, hold on. You haven't even let me get to the, to the biggest changes that have happened, which is so that we removed uh, one tech judge from the stage, um, which had impact on scores which uh, then impacted one of the other new initiatives we put out, which was live scoring um, and sort of everyone's reaction to that. But it's and interesting that you think that's the biggest change. I don't think it's the biggest change, but I think it was the one that was the most felt while we were here because yeah. that combined with live scoring. The most visible. Yeah, yeah, that, that really made sort of an impact in terms of um, how people felt when they were coming off stage and seeing the scores come up on the screen. So I think, I think if we hadn't had live scoring in addition to bringing down the one tech judge, it wouldn't have made as big of an impact, right? But yes. So what's interesting that I don't want to question the evil committee. It's not the evil committee. <laughs> I, like, two things that therefore happen, which is one, the one tech judge was removed from the stage, mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing, and I understood the rationale behind that. Yeah. Um, 
but the weighting of technical skills also changed in the yes. world competition. Yeah. And that was an unnecessary change because you could have doubled the tech judges' scores. Okay. You could have had one person on stage, but that was an active, intentional yes. choice to increase what? To acknowledge the fact that at that level, um, like to, in order to get there, you have to be technically proficient. Like it's really, it, the, it doesn't really make a difference at the end of yeah. the day, right? So it's very rare that, that uh, you know, some of the finalists are like that, that the tech score is going to decide the competition. Like, like as a general rule, yeah. when you get to the top, unless some, like, and people make mistakes all the time and we do something wrong or we push the wrong button or we yeah. hand whatever. But outside of those mistakes that have a larger impact on flavor yeah. or drinks or yeah. timing anyway. It's very rare that the tech scores are like between like the top six or the top twelve or the top twenty are more than like certainly on national levels, like the top six, they'll be within like a point or two points of each yeah. other. And in the world's it's even the higher. sixty competitors are within a point or two yeah. points. So. Yeah. And so that's I mean, so part of it is wanting to, you know, clear the space for the competitors. You know, that that gets really crowded when you've got four sensory judges, two tech judges, a head judge and maybe two sensory judges. That's a lot of people watching one person, not to mention the press. Not to mention, you know, the AV crew. So it's just trying to, that's like a first step. Give them a little more interview. Yeah, straightening that back a bit. Uh, but also just acknowledging that, like, when you get to that level, like, you're good. Like, and, and I think it's interesting, you know, that that tech score sheet functions very much as a, like, a really important educational tool at the national body level. You don't need it at the world level. So I had coffee as I was running around wandering with David Jameson, who is... Uh, was UK Coffee and Good Spirits champion, mm-hmm. and uh, was in the in the finals this year mm-hmm. for that uh, in Shanghai. Uh, he's an amazing, happy, delightful man, um, but he's also a WBC tech judge, and he was yeah. judging on stage. And like I asked him, oh, "How's it going?" And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> it's really good, but it's hard, and it's even harder when." You feel the sole responsibility on you, particularly yeah. when people have three group machines and they're running three double espressos, and he's got one hand holding a yeah. clipboard <laughs> and one hand to run the timer. So I, yeah. I don't know how, I don't want to know how because yeah. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. But like they were managing and they were getting stuff done, and there's shadow judges to assist and stuff like that. But it's it's a change in a challenge for them. They like yeah. those tech judges are on game. Yeah, like they. Yeah, they <laughs> Um, but, the, you know, the tech judges, I've always been so impressed with the training that happens for the tech judges. Like, they have to be on point. Like, you have to have super fast reflexes and you have to be an incredibly observant person to, to be able to work with that score sheet, you know? So it's like, they are good. And yes, it is. I think I think part of it is just tech judges. Well, judges in general, like, I'm always so, I know, what's the word? I'm always so impressed with, the, with how much the judges care and how much they want to get it right. Yeah. Um, and so often that I often find that the, the judges are more stressed about coming up on stage sometimes than the competitors are like because they don't get to practice in a sense like competitors have been working on the same routine for months maybe, yeah, perfecting maybe a years. thing rather than and, and these judges they, they have one shot yeah. to do their thing um, and they, they care so much so I think yeah like the pressure like I, I bet that pressure is coming from him you know like it's coming internally because yeah. he cares um, yeah and, and I'd be interested to sort of you know see what, what comes out of this I mean one of the biggest 
one of my favorite things about this committee, so I wouldn't be on this committee otherwise, right, is that there's such a desire to listen and get it right um, that, you know, there, is, there are going to be a lot of conversations in the upcoming weeks with all of the stakeholders. So we're looking at competitors, we're looking at coaches, judges, sponsors, um, attendees, people who watched online and just were saying, like, what worked, what didn't, um, and how can, we, how can we make things better? Because otherwise I wouldn't bother with that. You know, like I'm an incredibly pessimistic person. I think we've all heard me admit that many times, but also like maybe a little bit anti-establishment in a way as well, um, which is funny considering that I've worked for the establishment a lot. But like I, I'm always very skeptical of like, okay, well, we have good intentions, but do we actually ever put it into practice? Yeah. Um, and I think they're trying really hard. And uh, so... Yeah, well, if, like, let's not... like the success of new rule changes and stuff like that will probably be judged over the next year. Yeah, now that, absolutely. That they've finalized and they've been kind of released or presented mm -hmm. to the market and we'll see how it affects people's preparations for national competitions or the next WBC. Like the other one is teams. Yes. So I know that teams was a big thing. It was a big thing that like when somebody said like, oh, did you see these cars they're on teams? It's like, what? <laughs> oh, they've got headbands. What? <laughs> bandanas but uh, so new uh, not so much rules it doesn't really affect no, the, doesn't, the, doesn't, the competition but a new style or a new uh, thing being spoken about was teams so uh, you know let's talk about I'm going to tell you what I saw and then you can say what the okay. message was received which oh, was that shiza. of the 67,000 competitors in WBC this year they were split into 10, 12 teams? I think it was 12 teams. Yeah. Because there were teams of six. Teams yeah. of six, yeah. and there were 62, so teams yeah, of six or seven. Right. So ten, 10 teams. Um, we studied dodgy names. Uh, team Extract, Team Pressure, Team Scale. Shotgun, Team... <laughs> What's India? So there were teams of competitors from different read, from different countries based on previous rankings. Mm -hmm. So, like, there was... Uh, I don't know, I can only talk about the guys I met, but I saw uh, Lem was on a team because mm -hmm. the US has a strong history of success with, you know, famous baristas that keep making the finals, semi-finals, mm -hmm. like, you know, Ken Kajulo and uh, Charles Babinski, and they sort of, Mike Phillips winning, so, yeah. like, those champions have influenced the placement of that country. Yeah. And so the Barista champion of the US goes straight in as a high-placing person, and he's on a team, but also the champion of, uh, what's another high-ranking team? I guess Japan. Yeah. yeah. Hide yeah. and uh, whatever goes into another team, and you have all these different tiers. So you have a team of baristas from different, I guess, geographical backgrounds or economic backgrounds who are working together for another prize, mm -hmm. which was the chance to win a trip to Seoul. For yes. WBC next year. No, no, no. For an All Stars event. For an All Stars so event. Oh, so they are the All Stars. They're gonna be. They're gonna be doing an All Stars. Event. I hear there's big money in All Stars. <laughs> they, I hear you get that. You get the book deal and the, yeah, yeah. You get the water filter named after you and uh, the autographs. Who you've been talking to? <laughs> um, okay. So what else did you get out of that that announcement there? Uh, so that was pretty much what I got out of the announcement, and I'm not sure about detail beyond that. Yeah. But I saw. Uh, one of the competitors that I'd helped with uh, sourcing coffee with was uh, Wayne from South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, must have the biggest heart in coffee. He's a big guy. He's a lovely he's guy. He's very tall, but he's he's truly beautiful man. But I <laughs> walked past 
the espresso stand, uh, the espresso bar that was at the corner of the espresso bar, which yeah. was set aside for the team. Yeah, yeah, there was a team. Bar. Yeah, his team was was there, and there was him, and there was Martin from Kenya, mm-hmm. and they were kind of pulling shots and serving coffee from there. So there was a chance, and they were working together. Yeah, like they had different champions working together, and kind of I said, so like, what's this mean for you? Said, ah, honestly, it's just made it easier. Like, and they had some people supporting them and getting yeah. ready. Um, uh, David Coelho, who's yeah. the champion of Portugal, yeah. who I met and spent a little bit of time with in Portu- uh, in Rimini mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Uh, he was competing again for Portugal yeah. and I had a chat with him last night and it's like, yeah, honestly, we got in and we started unpacking our stuff on the table and this team competition was announced and then I had a whole like team of five people helping me get my things together. Um, and he was talking about how much more... Uh, how much higher the game had gone in terms of professionalism mm-hmm. for the individual competitors, yeah. but also in terms of the actual event and okay. the knowledge being displayed. And he was really excited about it and learning. And like Portugal, so in 2014, that was Portugal's first year entering the WBC and having a national competition. Yeah. And he said in two years, like that entire industry has changed, but a lot of it has been people like him reaching out to other people in the international community because yeah. Portugal is still you know a large country with a small population and a small niche specialty coffee yeah. scene if, if there really is one yeah. so he's building his community by you know emailing the people he met at WBC and yeah, building yeah, his relationships yeah. and tasting coffee from elsewhere and getting roasting lessons from wherever and whoever and whatever and so that team approach was actually a huge support for him this year yeah. and something that had it been there when he first started in 2014 in the same with Martin from Kenya, had there been that initial support when they first got in and, you know, this team of, you know, some experienced people, like, you know, there's some competitors that have competed two or three times or coaches mm-hmm. who have coached for yeah. like Federico Bellanos yeah. was there. Um, you know, at the back, I actually have more familiar faces who weren't competing. Yes. The true competition junkies, the coaches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so there are teams, um, milk beverage. So let's talk about the actual competition, which you saw on stage, and the, you know, the, the finalists and the semi finalists. Hold like on, that. hold on, hold on. You said you were going to ask about like what was happening with like what like did we actually achieve our goal? In terms did you of achieve your goal with teams? You're jumping ahead, man. Um, so uh, actually, I'm really glad to hear that because like we so we worked really hard to keep that under wraps, and that was quite a difficult thing to do. Um, we were absolutely shocked when we got there and realized that nobody had any idea that was happening. Um, Did which, that make it easier or more difficult? I think, I think that made it easier because so like there's always like change is a scary thing, um, and especially something like this where people have worked so hard to get here. Um, like there's always the the fear that like it. And it and and you have to remember too that English is not the first language for pretty much sixty of the sixty two competitors, right? Um, that you know we want to make sure that we're communicating well and that we're actually make, getting getting the message across. And I think there was a fear that if it if it got out too soon, that, that you know it would be a scary thing and not a fun thing. Um, and that's really what it was meant to be. You know, like I'm really glad to hear that like backstage, and I, I did see some of it myself, but that um, you know it was. They felt like there was a support group there for them because I think it's really scary, with, especially if it's your first year competing. You walk backstage and there are sixty people there, and you don't know any of them, and everyone is slightly stressed and like trying to get ready. And and this way, instead of sixty new faces, yeah. you've got five. 
Yeah. And then you, you have a group of people and, um, yeah, I mean like the, the, the way we try to explain is the, so we, I always think of Maxwell and Rimini, right? So Maxwell had shipped his stuff before he'd shipped it along with some, some sponsor stuff because, you know, he was trying to make sure everything was safe and, um, like, terribly and unfortunately some stuff happened backstage and it like labels fell off and it ended up in the the calibration room and so the calibration baristas were using Maxwell's competition stuff to to get sorted and then like to, to to calibrate the judges and everyone was like oh wow look at this incredible array of beautiful things we have and Maxwell comes on site and realizes that those are his things. and so you know it then becomes you know, everyone just banded together. Like, what can we help you with? What can we help? You know, like, do you, do you need spoons? Do you need this? Because some, some stuff had gone missing. Some stuff had actually gotten broken in transit. It wasn't just that it ended up in the calibration room. But, um, you know, how can we help you? And that sort of teamwork we see only usually when things go wrong. And we were like, but that teamwork vibe is always there. And we'd like to see it happen more frequently. So how can we encourage that to happen? So that, that's really where this came from was like, you're going to network, but let's make the networking less scary. Let's make it more fun. Let's make it more approachable. Um, and I think, I think it worked. Like, I think, I think we definitely saw that happening. Like it definitely makes it easier when you walk into that backstage area. So usually it's rows and rows and rows of tables. And this time everyone was grouped together backstage. So it was like something went wrong or you made sort of like faster friends. And I think it was a nice thing for the people who were new there. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. Anyway, back to, back to on stage. What did we see? Um, like, like the only, not the only reason that I want to talk more about what was on stage, but yeah. we're very lucky that we've seen through different people, we've seen little yeah. bits of the behind the scenes, but what most people see is like yeah. the produced side yeah, of it, yeah. like they see the competitors will come with, you know, Steve or Bud or yeah. whoever, kind of the champion of our and they see them host the things and then serve their coffee and now they see it through new portals, so mm -hmm. uh, this was the year of the maestro, the live scoring Yes. Uh, but the new kind of presentation of uh, WBC certainly through the first round mm -hmm. where, you know, competitors came on and they were listed on, you know, there was the chat and there was the competitor's schedule and then you could see people coming in, presenting their coffee and an hour later where they were placing within 60 people yeah. and kept it pretty nail-biting. Like I watched uh, Dan, the, uh, Dan Fellows, the UK champion, and I watched him and then I spent the next hour and I can't... <laughs> <laughs> like refreshing the sports, refreshing, yeah, yeah, yeah. refreshing, yeah. Elusive people. Uh, and he made it. That was cool. So he made uh, Sammy's and uh, I'd say he was phenomenal. I was like watching him. Uh, I didn't watch his uh, Sammy's performance, but I watched his first round and he was so clean and so tidy. And so many of the baristas were so clean and tidy. Again, that's why we, we took our tech yeah. away. Like, um, very professional. But yeah, I, I guess, um, well, that's almost like why I like talking about the behind the scenes stuff more is because that's, that's the bit that people don't get to see. That's yeah. very restricted access, uh, purely because there's a, there's a lack of space back there. But a lot of people see what happens at the front and that is what goes on to influence yes. the community and stuff. So, so I You're just really a front of house person, let's be honest. Everyone's a front of house person. That's why we build up these beautiful facades and restaurants mm. and this wonderful service while the kitchen is full of dirt and... <laughs> Terribleness. Um, Most pessimistic now. <laughs> um, like there were there were changes that you could see that were intentional. There were changes that came from you know the succession of years. So yeah, I've never seen as many distribution tools on stage. Yeah, okay. Uh, which was an interesting growth from Sasha using mm -hmm. things last year, and I know other people have done little things, but there was like a 
like a uniform style of making coffee that was incredibly tidy mm-hmm. and incredibly competition focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a terrible person. I do not think it, I think this will score points in competition and is a good thing if you're playing that game, mm-hmm. but will not improve the flavor of the coffee for anyone. It won't take it away, but what's interesting is now that 50 competitors have been doing this and the way we demonstrate what good coffee is mm-hmm. to the industry the is yeah. because that's the you know and i think most people agree particularly the people within yeah. wc or wbc like particularly national cha- um, or world champions as yeah. well like this is a different sport this is a thing that was influenced by making coffee but it becomes a thing of its own yeah. but it's still the strongest vehicle to present this is what coffee is in 2016 yeah and I think if you look at the finalists, uh, well, not even so much the finalists, if you look at the overall routines, like the, if you aggregate the stories being told by baristas across the top 60, that influences the trends for the next year. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, So based on that, since you brought that up, what are the trends for the next year? What did you see that was, that was prevalent and... So this is where we get the pessimistic and the optimistic right, thing. Right, okay. So the pessimistic thing would be uh, coffee is longer and thinner. Mm-hmm. It's more focused on aromatics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brewers' Cup started in one place and evolved into like a lot of us would have, uh, particularly when we've been less successful in the Brewers' Cup than we would yeah. like. We're like, wow, our geisha wasn't geisha enough, um, <laughs> and. Whilst I love the Rose Cup as a competition, that's definitely been a trend that, you know, as the cupping sheet, uh, as the cupping sheet has always kind of pulled out these coffees that are incredibly aromatic and floral and interesting, um, rather than, you know, the good solid coffee that can be specialty that lots of people enjoy in the morning, like that I enjoy, um, the, the Brewers Cup score sheet has highlighted that kind of coffee and projected it and been a self-fulfilling prophecy that people are successful with coffees that are incredibly floral and aromatic and interesting so yeah. that encourages the cycle and more more people enter with that so more and more people win with that mm-hmm. and I think this year was the first year that coffees like that dominated the WBC as well yeah um, I think there have been uh, certainly geishas have been used before for a long time I think Tim Wendelbaugh used certainly something very floral and mm-hmm. light and a long time ago um, and people have used Kenyan espressos and been very successful and the style of what espresso can be certainly opened up a lot over the past yeah. five six years yeah. and now I think there was there was evidence of it polarizing around thin and floral uh, not thin but less body and less kind of traditional espresso values and much right. more a new set of value rather than that open playing field of lots of different styles of coffee. Right. And I think there are benefits to that, uh, but I also think there are downsides. Like, I love the idea of there being 60 competitors on stage and there being 60, 62 different styles of what coffee can be. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, and this, you know, I think this ties to what David was saying about Portugal is rather than it being the niche like the individual communities from each country, we tend to have a global community mm-hmm. and that is more and more accentuated in, the, yeah. you know, through yeah, the competition yeah. medium. Yeah. So a lot of people brewing the same way, brewing similar style of coffees, and then the ones that stand out are the ones who are doing things differently. 
But within that, there is innovation. So we talk about the people, you talk about, you know, the people who were in the finals, yeah. and each of those had either a different, uh, a different style of presentation or a different way of doing things technically. Yeah. So, you know, Ben Putt had a number of different things that he was doing technically to espresso to achieve the best the extraction or the flavor that he most wanted, um, but Wu, um, the world barista champion this year, which is amazing, um, had really subtle differences in his brewing, yeah. but impactful ones and intentional ones. Yeah. So he uh, he was rinsing his porta filters. I don't know what we'll call this. We're going to see little water baths next to espresso machines. Yeah. But, but um, he was actively adjusting the brewing environment to pull out a different flavor from his coffee and accentuate what he really enjoyed in it. Yeah. Um, and I found that really interesting. That was a really small change that I think... So uh, one of the things, you talk to songwriters writing pop songs, yeah. and one of the things they like are the constraints that the medium puts on you. So it has right. to be three minutes, it has to have a, a bridge, and it has to have a hook, whatever. Yeah. And they like using or modulating those things, but without the structure, it's really difficult. Yeah. And then you get these champions who, so much of what has to be done is fixed. So... You know, they have to use this grinder now, or one of these two grinders now, and they have to use an espresso machine that's set up at this pressure, and they have to do these technical steps. But then you see these little innovations, which are extra steps in the process of removing something from the process mm -hmm. that have a, a meaningful difference in the cup every time they brew coffee. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think the six finest either did that with technical skills or did that with their starter presentation. Yeah. Um, I'm completely biased. And I am very happy for the top three, mm -hmm. but um, I absolutely adore Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, I think she is one of the finest competitors and people in coffee that I've seen in years. Yeah. And I really liked, I really liked lots of the routines. I really liked her routine, but I really liked the way she serves coffee. Yeah. Um, I had to yeah. say, like, I looked at the final six and so... Um, first of all, I think it was really interesting with the live score and you come into that that announcement where they're going to announce the winner and you have this expectation in your head because you saw the first round scores. And even though I know and you know that those don't mean anything in the finals, yeah. I think it still sets this expectation. And so I think there was actually quite a bit of, you know, everyone was sort of expecting either Ben or Charlotte to do well, especially after watching the, the, the you know, their finals performance. Like you could see things, at least for, you know, for Ben's presentation that, that didn't didn't quite go the way I think he'd hoped where, you know, like the, the gasket wasn't quite locked in and the portafilter filter wasn't there. It was dripping a little bit of water. And then, oh, how is that going to, you know, when it's so close, every little bit matters. Um, and you sort of went in with this expectation. And I, you know, I saw Berg's semifinal performance and I saw Berg's final performance and he was just like super cool and super calm. But even so, because you've seen those scores, That's, you have that expectation. So you watch Berg's performances, one, because they, you were excited to see it, yes. and you know he's a great barista from yeah. from past things. But you know him a little better, or you've had other involvements yeah. with him. Um, and we watched the semis, and it was great fun because I got to sit next to Jameson. I was having a chat with Jameson, who is his coffee farmer. Yeah. Um, who I met uh, through BGE. Yes. He was uh, Finca Deborah, which is his farm was a cupping sponsor for collab in Paris yes. and they provided coffees for the day so it kept his uh, a range of his a range of his coffees and I say a range of his coffees he doesn't produce a lot 
like yeah. his his farm is in the very early stages of being a farm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like oh yeah, like here's twelve cupping samples, and we've got half a bag of this left. Yeah, and no bags <laughs> of this left. It's like, dude, like <laughs> and tasting these, I quite like to buy them. Yeah, I'll yeah. buy them. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting to to watch that performance yeah. after having chatted to him about some of the not the difficulties but the the way he farms yeah. and what he's trying to do in the industry and how he's trying to build a business. And actually, so I am, I, I don't think I'm a hater, but I'm, I'm a skeptic about the value of geishas and these like these mm-hmm. highly specialized lots that aren't achievable for most farms and aren't representative of everything the coffee is. I think that, that's a fair, yeah. yeah you um, are. I'm very much a skeptic of that, but it was really interesting to talk to him where in Panama, where it is incredibly expensive to grow things because it is really not a farming country. Yeah. It's a tech slash finance company, uh, yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, or certainly economically, that's where mm-hmm. the money comes from. That's where the people come from. Or the vast majority of people who live in Panama full time, it's money from the canal. It's money from finance. It's yeah. whatever. Um, and he's, he, he's originally uh, American. Mm-hmm. Um but he's heavily into farming. That's what he wants to do. And he went there to do it. Um, and he's setting up a, uh, an agricultural business. And I think sometimes we forget the coffee because especially coffee and it comes from nice yeah. brand and stuff like that. It's, an, it's a dirty agricultural foodstuff manufacturing business. Yeah. And he went there and bought beautiful land and was involved with, you know, beautiful soil. But then he has to find people who are used to like a living wage in US dollars mm-hmm. Uh, and try and encourage them to like, oh, yeah, I, I want you to put your hands in dirt and do all these things and we're going to do it really technically. And the business model there is you are either super specialty mm-hmm. or it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, and there are, if you, if you are a farmer, there are much better alternatives to growing commodity coffee or okay coffee. Yeah. So you can grow defect free, great coffee in Panama that if you don't have that super high premium being attracted yeah. because of super interesting flavor, you are going to fail. You're going to go out of business. Yeah. And the people who have the land that could do that, their best solutions at the moment are growing tomatoes. As you grow really? tomatoes and uh, tomatoes and onions and, you know, food that will be used by local restaurants. Yeah. You know, that is, that is what you do with soil unless you have the right conditions and altitude and the right marketing and business drive right. to really be at the forefront of this different style of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I am not a great lover of let's do geishas all the time, but it was really interesting to talk to someone who that is the viable option, the sustainable option for right. yeah. for that country and for that yeah. kind of coffee. Um, actually, I saw Rachel Peterson walking around the show, and she is uh, one of the directors of SCAA, and yeah. she she has the position of you know. She's one of the farmers on the board of SCAA leading the way for things like initiatives in better paid workers yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, genuine sustainability and, yeah. Yeah. Ramble, ramble, sorry. No, no, it's all right. Uh, it was nice to watch Berg's performance from there and watch watch a producer who is not producing a lot of coffee but sees barista competition and that megaphone yeah. as the way to grow his business or develop a business. Yeah. Um, and he, it wasn't just Berg, he had, I think, I don't know, 
I might get this wrong, a competitor of China, I think. Yeah. It's also using his coffee, but also uh, a couple of uh, competitors in the Bros Cup. Yeah. And he's also done work with Sasha mm-hmm. um, on his farm. And he is one of, you know, a good number of farmers who use and are involved in WBC or see it as a way of progressing their business, but also the industry in their country. I would like to taste the coffee that they yeah, serve. Yeah, so would I. So would I. Uh, you can get my address from Jen by the <laughs> Like, so my, uh, like, I met Burke and she, um, when we were in Asia, we were on our, our Asia tour in 2014, in November, and uh, Chi was very kindly one of our translators. Um, and I just, we got to spend some time with the master. We, we spent the most time while we were there in Taiwan and, and got to sort of like hang around Taipei with, with the two of them. And it was just so lovely and incredible. And like, even though I haven't really seen them in person since then, like we sort of kept in touch a little bit. I know you've been like following on social media and we were super excited because uh, you were super excited when he, when he won the championship in Taiwan. It's like, yeah, he's coming. And then I get to see him, and I get, yeah. I get to see Chi, and uh, and hopefully see Baby Piba as well. Which, you know, yeah. Baby Piba stayed at home. But um, yeah, yeah. no, I, I just I love keeping up with them because they're just so lovely. They are really beautiful people, and um, like, and I think it was hard watching that final because out of out of the six competitors there, I felt like everyone had a shot, or everyone worked really hard to get yeah. there. Like there wasn't. And it's not that there are some years where you don't feel like there are competitors who haven't worked hard, but just I was so familiar with the stories of all of the people who were on stage at that point. Um, having seen Yoshikazu come from other competitions in the past and spending some time with him backstage, you know, following Lem all the way back from, you know, early, early days of competition in the US and like such a huge Lem fan. And I, I couldn't even like bring myself to go up to him because I was, I was so afraid I was going to be a massive fan girl. I didn't want to embarrass myself, but like, Lem, I'm such a huge fan. Hi. Um, Actually, I saw a lovely picture on, I think it was on Facebook. I don't know who posted it because I was just like going through my feed when I had Wi-Fi. Yeah. And there was a picture of, I think, the counterculture team yeah. from like seven years ago. Yeah. yeah. And this beautiful picture of all these people who have become, you know, not to say that they weren't leading lights in the US then, but these are, these are, some of the these are, like, these are international representatives of what good coffee is now. And, mm-hmm. you know, and actually... Like a good few of them still work at counterculture. They've yeah. been part of a business, and that's rare in coffee to have people who are in one company for seven, eight years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I always, I love, I love what counterculture does and, and how they do things, and I'm just, yeah, massive fan girl there. Um, but yeah, every everyone on stage, like Charlotte as well, like watching her do the work over the past couple of years, and like getting to spend some time with her in Antwerp and talking about things and and how you know she's like well, I went to the farm and everything's changed. She was like I was I was I was on this path and like it just these lights clicked and like I gotta change everything now. And she works so hard and she is she's such a, a lovely person and it was nice I think like I was looking at that that group of people up on stage and I went well these are the, these are the people who are doing the hard work right now like they are they're really pushing themselves and trying to push specialty and sometimes you see the people who are just there for the competition I think and in this case like everyone there was doing their bit sort of behind the scenes as well and that was it was a really nice thing to so see. I was saying about what I was pessimistic about with coffee what yeah. I'm optimistic about is uh so the teams thing yeah like Charlotte is a perfect example of teams and those people coming together. So Francesco yeah. was there and Hide has been uh, that team and and 
you know, particularly with, with her team, hundreds of individuals in coffee, yeah. you know, from farmers and stuff. And, you know, part of that is her career choice and how she's, yeah. how she's got there. Um, uh, I.e. by working with everyone very happily and very yeah. honestly and wanting to learn from everyone. Um, but that reality mm-hmm. being reflected in the rules and becoming something that embodies and reinforces itself for yeah. next year and stuff yeah. like that, that's a really nice thing to see. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be nice to see. So there's going to be new teams next year or like yeah. new individuals in those teams, new national champions. It'd be really interesting to see what those people who are on those teams, how long those teams last outside of WBC. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, those guys going to Seoul, Will they stay in contact? Will they be working together? Will they have some kind of shared shared thing that we see at the end of that? But also the teams that don't win that big prize, yeah, they maintain relationships, even if it's just one or two of them, and there's yeah. those stronger bonds, which have always been there. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. What else should we keep talking about? WBC. I don't know there were there was there were a lot of things on. I I know that like you you disappeared for a while to go to Marco's trend. Like do you do you want to talk about that stuff? Are you happy to keep rambling on about this? I don't want to endorse anyone's products or stuff. I don't <laughs> worry about this, like until they send, like unless they want to send me a good deal of money. Yeah. Um. I went to Marco had an event for their distributors. Yeah. Uh. Pre the opening of World of Coffee, yeah. it was on one of the one of the other kind of show spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and actually, that was a really nice thing. It was it was a really nice small event, and there was some kind of. Um, People from outside of the coffee industry, but involved in product development, mm-hmm. talking about, uh, there was one talk about sustainability and there was one talk about customer service, yeah. uh, but with, with a heavy focus on other industries or other challenges. And then Paul Stack and David Walsh spoke. Mm-hmm. And this was half setting out the direction and the strategy mm-hmm. and the, the vision of Marco and half product development kind of yeah. the problems they're fixing yeah. and why and stuff. And actually it was really interesting. Like we forget we forget how companies that once made effectively very very underloved pieces of essential equipment like a water boiler yeah. have now become leading lights or big names yeah. from very small offices. Yeah. Um, with teams of incredible like incredible people doing incredible work that you know, often doesn't seem that innovative. Yeah. Um, because it takes a long time to make a product worth having. Yeah. And every year and every show, so there will be products that were launched at Atlanta and products that were launched at Dublin and products that will be launched at the, the next SEA show and the next SEA, of which most of them don't make an impact. Yeah. Like they get lo- lots of noise and wow, there's a cup in a different curve and whatever. Yeah. And we all talk about it and we all buy some. And then six months later, they're dusty in the corner. Yeah. Um, and the products that really last will really make a difference and really make an impression on not just the coffee people, but the customers mm-hmm. take longer to produce than that. Yeah. So you really only get a one or two, if one new product of true value each year. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear from some people who are like, oh yeah, we've got a new thing and it's taken three, four or five years to do. And yeah. there have been these changes along the way. Um, these challenges yeah so yeah so they they released a product called the mix which i'm sure lots of people see elsewhere but uh, uh, we won't we won't plug yeah. everything but, there, but like i really like the story that got yeah. them there yeah. um and the narrative and dave walsh uh if you're a fan of 
Kane's culture. Mm. Like, Michael, great. I'm a huge fan of Dave Walsh. I saw Dave Walsh for the first time in like years at coffee throwing. And I was like, it's so good to see you. Like, well, I wish you were around more. You say very clever and intelligent things and I miss having you there. Like, it's, yeah, he's... He didn't throw so well, though. No, but, yeah, yeah can't be helped. Sometimes the clever people don't have the arms, you know? Um, I, I was just impressed, I think, with the, the number of, like, design-led things, not just from a, not just from a pretty perspective, but also just from a... Um, Economics and usability. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a nice thing. Although, you know... If we're going to talk about pretty things. I have to say, really loved that machine on the WBC stage, the light blue one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the black eagle. Like, well, and and also just the machines around in general. Like everything, everything that you obviously really put out there was just really pretty. And lots of people were like, I probably didn't see all the new equipment that was out there, but I saw things. Um, Slayer Steam was a big one because yeah. that was. I think product of the show or, yeah. or best new product award, but that was a machine that I don't think anyone knew about, knew was coming, and yeah, I was like, there. "What's that yeah. <laughs> over there?" Yeah. And you know, innovative technology, but also like a striking new thing that people saw yeah. and walked past and looked exciting and good. Um, I think design is more important than ever with coffee. Like it's it's always been very closely related, but <clears throat> sort of the niche that we've built for ourselves is uh, it's incredibly important now, yeah. and. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. I don't know. I think it's a visible thing. Oh, yeah, I think sometimes yeah. it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing, but the way that you, like, one of the joys of wandering around a show like that is you do see things that will become what a coffee shop is or what a bar is or what coffee making is in 18 months' time. Yeah. And you see, you see the trends and you see the fashions and you see things come and go, so maybe... Uh, like pastel colors, all right. Primary <laughs> colors are coming back in, but not quite primary colors. Like nice tones, whatever. Yeah. But um, you see things come and go, and what stays. And yeah. throughout that, technology has its own trends and fashions, be it for scales or be it for you know lower profile machines mm -hmm. or. Um, but you see these like technology, fashion and trends come along one thing and then there'll be colours and aesthetics and design yeah. and workflow changes and stuff like that. And services, like WBC is a perfect example of that, is that services developing alongside it. And yeah. um, like we're, at its very end point, we are an industry that services customers and customers follow trends and fashions and we have to either lead the market or meet the market and it is interesting to see how different people are doing that and where people agree and where people disagree. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else was good? I made coffee for 163 women in a small kitchen. It was the awesome kick-ass ladies. Something like that. It was very noisy. Um, <laughs> um, hello. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Maybe you shouldn't make comments like that about a lady in coffee breakfast. Because I think there were only 20 of them there. So there was the kick-ass... Kick-ass women in coffee. Kick-ass ladies in coffee. Kick-ass ladies in coffee. Yes, by Marta Dalton of Coffee Bird. Um, so there's lots of women in coffee events. I'm sure you've heard Stephen Colin take the piss out of them lots of times. And I, you know, very rightly slap their hands about it afterwards. Why does it have to be breakfast? 
why is it always back so because you know we're up early and generally there's stuff going on the rest of the day yeah like, <laughs> it is hard to squeeze in there it really is hard to squeeze in stuff when it's when it's happening but i think so kick-ass ladies is something that happens on the side of the ocean like i think there might have been i you know marta marta travels around quite a bit but like most of the ones i can remember being invited to are all sort of on on this this side of the atlantic um and so you know, there was the IWCA breakfast, I think, that did, that SCA did, but I happen to like what Marta does. Like, it's a, it's, it's a little bit smaller, it's a little bit more intimate, and um, it was nice to, so I, uh, I'll own up right now, I'm raising my hands, like, I wasn't there, um, because I had done coffee throwing the night before, and I was very tired. I just, I'd done AeroQuest, I did coffee throwing, and I was like... Hey. And I was, but I was there, and I should point out, just for those listening, that I'm not a lady. Yes. But I was I was not part of the breakfast or part of the conversation. You were the coffee service. I was the coffee service, <laughs> helping my, my, my friend Kev, who's called Gorilla, um, who somehow was was making delicious breakfast for them. And Kev is someone that I always spend time with uh, when I'm here in Dublin, and he is, uh, he is a huge integral part of the scene, having made donuts for such... Coffee Luminaries is the proper order, and for Julie Hausch, uh, who we lost a... them to the doorman last night. Yeah. So I'm a little upset because pretty much the only thing I came to the city for was to have on those donuts, and then Julie just gave them to security and trying not to, to me. Trying to buy her way into the door. Yeah, disgraceful. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I think, like, honestly, it was an interesting thing to be on the periphery of because that is not something, this, this is going to sound terrible and lots of other this is not something that boys or men get invited to we don't have our breakfast well we do we have all the breakfast you have all the breakfast all but, the time yeah but to be on the periphery of something that was focused in that way that is doing something for a group of people and um actually to hear how powerful it was it was like i was i was making coffee and everything was quiet and to kind of introduce the people to each other or, or introduce the event breakfast or whatever uh, it's kind of making coffee and you could hear me and then suddenly this noise erupted of people networking in a room and I guess it's I've not been to a speed dating event but it was <laughs> it was kind of like it was their icebreaker and it was that kind of thing that they were all talking to each other but just so many people in a room with shared passion talking about yeah, their things and the issues there. yeah um and like I didn't like it was noise rather than being able to overhear anything yeah. but like the stuff that I have uh I'm going to say wasn't, like, I'm sure gender was an issue there because that's something people share. It yeah. wasn't something that was being spoken so about. That, that, <laughs> that, is, um, that is my favorite thing. I was, and I was going to say that is that, um, so oftentimes when you get a group of uh, mixed gender together um, and you sort of start the conversation about women in coffee, you end up talking about gender in coffee. Whereas when you have a room full, and that's the thing I've always liked about the, the kick-ass lady breakfast, that when you have a room full of women in coffee who all acknowledge that they're there because they have yeah. a particular gender, that all of a sudden that's taken off the table. You don't need to talk about it anymore. And yeah. you can talk about the, the shit that matters and the stuff that we want to talk about, which is, you know, how to make the world a better place for people working in coffee, how to, you know, from, from sustainability to, to whatever. And, and just like, you know, actually doing the work in coffee and it sort of removes the impetus to talk about that because you've already acknowledged that's a thing and you don't have to talk about it anymore that is my favorite thing about it because I'm so sick of talking about it and that's why I think the breakfast are a nice thing or like any sort of gathering like that is a nice thing because you don't need to acknowledge it anymore um I think we would all benefit a lot from sort of removing that from the table you know the the less we talk about gender and coffee uh 
the more we can focus on on the other stuff. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't valuable things to discuss in terms of wage gaps or, you know, giving giving people autonomy over, you know, like the fact that women in coffee growing countries are doing most of the work and getting paid significantly less. Like there are definitely important things to talk about there, but I worry that when sort of people up at the top of the specialty coffee chain come together and start talking about gender, it becomes a, a less useful exercise. Um, unless you're doing something like, you know, Taylor Brown's Talk to Rico and, and sort of pointing out like those really big important things. But usually it's just like, oh, there's there's a lack of women, there's there's this. I don't know. Um it's a difficult thing for, for I think ladies to talk about, which is why it's nice when you can just sort of have a bunch of us in a room together and just sort of chat about the rest of it, yeah. you know? Um yeah. I'm sad I missed it. Like um I would have I, I thought about I, I was gonna try and wake up and be there and then I just sort of was like what else did we miss so you missed that i missed 87 parties on friday night i went to two i went to three i went to three i my timing was excellent you closed two down i closed two down yeah so i went there so this is done uh with gianni yeah i think the sign of a coffee party ending is gianni entering a taxi yeah uh with a with a pint yeah Everywhere, yeah. a pint or a glass of wine. Uh, we had interesting chats with Gianni we about Alfa Romeo's. Yeah, that was our secret party. Um, we so what parties were that there was? I was at coffee throwing and then moved on to the Simonelli and Friends party mm-hmm. at Fumbly, and then we saw where the Marco party had happened, mm-hmm. but it looked like the braces had stolen everything and run. And I think they went off to La Marzacco and La Marzacco was sent, and at which or, point? Or to, uh, what was it, Mercantin's Brudge, Bourbon, yeah. Bourbon, and Bourbon. Um, I saw some beautiful pictures of beautiful people, and I was very glad to look at them from my bed <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> which is the best way to attend parties. You it never is. embarrass yourself if you're just looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, what other events happened? Because the day before there was the Aeropress, but during the Aeropress there was also... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I can't keep track of this. Like, and I'm usually like. But there was the official SAE welcome party. There yeah. were football games everywhere. Yeah. Um, there was Yay. the party at the Guinness Storehouse, mm-hmm. uh, where I missed my chance to master the Baron, mm-hmm. um, which is a long held dream. That's all right. I've got one you can try again. later. Okay. Uh, I don't think you'll master it, but you know, whatever. You two were there. Did you hear this? Terrell, you two. It's oh, Edge. Oh dear. That's what I heard. Book. Um, yeah, I don't know. Parties, parties, or parties, or parties. I, uh, they were, they were. I, I, mostly, I'm just sad about the disappearance of Julie's donuts. Yeah, that's yeah. It. it was a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, what else should we talk about for now? I, I don't think there's too much else we can talk about because I always try to keep these to about an hour, and we are, uh, we are rapidly. Should approaching. have notes. Then we have an agenda. We should have done an agenda. We did. We did the agenda. I'm, I think you see there. The only yeah. thing we haven't talked about is, is just people coming to Dublin and like what they've thought of Dublin so far and the feedback that I've gotten from people. And I think in general, like I'd love to hear sort of, and I'm sure we'll hear anyway in the coming days, like what, like how did, how did Dublin compare to other WBCs? Like I think, um, we're not, not just WBCs, but just in general, like the vibe, you know, if we're, if we're going to, vibes, vibes, we're going to talk about, you know, Dublin, we have to talk about vibes. Thanks a lot. Ah, WBC was deadly. <laughs> so good night. Doing my best. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I'm just curious to hear that. I think everything I've heard so far has been 
oh gosh, your taxi drivers are, are hysterical. We love them. And I'm like, well, that's good. That means you haven't gotten the xenophobic ones. Um, you know, like I haven't been to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Brexit. Um, uh, having that happen while we were here has been very interesting as well. I think there were a lot of things that kind of got upended uh, because people all of a sudden were like, oh. Yeah, there was there was there was a day that 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 was large in my thoughts. I I hope the things I had I I had hoped for a different vote, and I hope things will will change, but at least they will stabilize. Um, SCAE was interesting actually. Uh, they said a position like they're they're going to work through this uh, this thing. It's not going to change anything, uh, but they're aware of the challenges that this brings and. Yeah. Um, the challenge there, I think, or the sad thing was my favorite thing in coffee is the people that you get to meet from all over the world. And, you know, Europe is, has been a wonderful, beautiful thing for that. And I'm glad to be part of that community. And actually, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the speakers at Marco's event was talking about was I hate this. I hate the fact that millennials is a thing that everyone's talking about and they're an agent of change and it's somehow by accident of the year I was born yeah. even though my my economic background doesn't allow me to like so millennials are defined in different ways and sometimes it is nobody by, can agree you, nobody can agree but everybody has to like whenever somebody's talking about the yeah. business just particularly American kind of business schools and mm. ideas that kind of culture of they talk about millennials a lot and they're one of the agents of change and they're changing the world and the way that business happens and communication happens and the way you have to market products. And um, I don't count myself as a millennial because although I was technically born in the early 80s, I, I have not been glued to a mobile phone and I have children who interact with the world in a very different way yeah. to the way that I do. Technically, I think you're Gen Y. Why? Generation Y. Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's like my one of my favorite articles that I read recently, fuck you, I'm not a millennial. It's like, yeah, I think it depends on how you interact with the world. But anyway, yes, millennials are a huge driver of change at the minute and everyone is talking about them, even though we hate being lumped into that category. But one of the things that was said in that talk about millennials is they're part of a global community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I come from a country and there are lots of things about me and my background and values that are influenced by that country. Yeah. But when I think about the community that I'm a part of, I associate more strongly with the specialty coffee community. And that's a global community. And you see that with the standards in WBC or Rose mm -hmm. Cup. And you see that with the way we communicate. There are downsides to that. Yeah. Like uh, I've decided, and I'll put this out here because it's likely never to happen. But, you know, if I, if I was competing in WBC, I'm going to learn Spanish. Because <laughs> I was looking at the judges and, you know, their competitors from... I don't know, there's a competitor from Uruguay who is speaking English and most of his judges Spanish. are native Spanish speakers yeah. uh, who are listening in English. And they all, everyone has incredible English and it's not about that. It's just the challenges of work, like the, yeah. uh, the lexicon mm -hmm. is a solution to a very specific sensory problem around language and how we yeah. describe things, which influences points, but also influences the emotions we convey and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And when you put words through the filter of your second language yeah. and translation. You're basically doing it twice. Yeah, this. yeah. And it's Chinese whispers and it speaks to um, the... No, you can't say that. What? Telephone. It's a game of telephone. Oh, goodness. I sincerely apologize. And maybe that's the time to end this yeah. interesting conversation. <laughs> but no, I, I think, yeah, the things get, the things genuinely do get lost in translation. And um, yeah, it would be nice if 
if we could embrace that at some point or not embrace it but just like acknowledge that and actually you know have have people be able to speak their own language when they're trying to convey things but my point was millennials are part of a global community and that is the whatever else whether you come to world of coffee next year which is in budapest which yeah. will be amazing, or you go to the World Championships, which will be in Seoul. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, you go to both, because then we won't be at the same time, and you can yeah. go to the SCAA shows. But when you go to those shows, you are part of a global community, not a national one, and that is the richest, most valuable thing, and the industry supports it. Like Most of these coffee brands have either a presence or the same equipment or the yeah. same ideas, yeah. open channels of communication, and yeah, it's a good thing. Time to go. This got very serious. Yeah. It shouldn't be that serious. It's too early and I've not had enough coffee. Um, so we're going to go look for brunch in either Dublin or Belfast. We haven't decided yet. But yeah. as it's getting later and later and our housemates for the day have not woken up yet, it's, it's looking, looking more like, and Dublin. More like Dublin. I'm so, sorry, Mark and Regina really wanted to come see you. We look. We were, we were checking Instagram this morning and seeing what your brunch menu was and going, Jesus, if only it was just a five minute walk down the street, we'd be there already. And I should point out that there are other places that you can buy food. There are. I know, but I love Mark and Bushy. <laughs> That's all. That is all. Um, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, we will be back in two weeks' time. I don't know who... If you have thoughts about WBC, you can send them to... Uh, well, it depends. You can send them to me uh, just for the crack. Or you could, <sighs> if you really, if you have any thoughts on like positive, negative, good, bad, or other, I think info at worldcoffeeevents.org is where they're trying to collate all of the stuff. Dot org. Dot org. Uh, is where they're trying to collate all of the stuff around um, WBC and the feedback there in terms of the rule changes, the the vibe, the everything that, that was there. Um, so... Whether you were an attendee or you were a competitor or a judge or a coach, um, yeah, just or or you were watching Maestro or the live stream from far away, like it, it, you know, feedback is good. We love the feedback. I forgot to plug Barista Camp. Oh, Barista Camp tickets are on sale now. You should buy tickets for Barista Camp at baristagirdofeurope.com. There you go. And roastersguildofeurope.roastergirdofeurope.com. Because why did we leave off the S? Because we're part of the European community. I don't know. Mm. Because it's for the equipment. Roaster. I, I know nothing. I have never had involvement in the Roaster Guild of Europe. I strongly support it, but I'm a brister. Yeah. Ish. That's very clear. Anyway, <laughs> um, on that note, we're going to say goodbye. Um, thanks for listening. We'll speak soon. Next up is we have Rock Bergens from Coab Antwerp. We'll be coming up Ooh. next Monday. So. For all of you who want your EK43 behind-the-bar workflow fix, that's where it's going to be at. Anyway, over and out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.